I'm feeling kind of weird. I usually use the hands-free mic. I decided not to tonight, so I only have one arm. It feels kind of kind of different. So bear with me. Uh, like I said, glad to be here. Pastor Bree's been doing a great job talking about the healthy church. And she was going to speak tonight, but I have been uh, bugging her. And I'm like, man, you know, Mom, I, I know what I want to talk about next. Usually she comes to me and says, Bryce, are you ready? And then I say no. And then she comes back two more times. And I say, okay, 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 I'm ready. And this time I was kind of talking to her about it. I was like, man, God has put something on my heart. Um, not for the congregation, like oh, our church needs to hear this, but it was for me. It was a life-changing moment for me. And uh, I was like, we've got to get this out to our church. So that's what I'm going to try to do today. I'm going to try to get it out to you uh, the best I can. So why don't we just go ahead and open up in prayer. Lord Jesus, we need you in this place. Lord, we declare that you are Lord in this house. We know you're Lord everywhere, but we're declaring that you are Lord over this house. You rule here, Lord Jesus. Lord, we come to you humbly knowing that this is all for you, Lord Jesus, and we don't want to make a single word, a single musical note, a single thing without you, Lord Jesus. So I ask that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit, help my tongue and my mouth to produce the words that you want me to say, help it to, to land on good soil, let everybody's ears take it in and, and their mind remember it, Lord Jesus, help this, this word to go out and, and not return void, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody having a Merry Christmas? Good. So she's talking about uh, the healthy church. So I'm going to talk about something that's in a healthy church is a healthy fear of the Lord. That's not something we preach about a lot. Um, it's kind of we, we preach a lot about the love of Jesus. We preach a lot about um, grace and forgiveness and comeback stories and all that stuff. But for those of us who have already had our comeback story and we are... I would, you know, you could say I'm on the steady path and I'm living for the Lord and I've had my, my 180 moment and I'm headed on the right track now. Um, the fear of the Lord, I think, is something that is forgotten about um, in the church, okay? I have a lot of notes, so I'm going to be doing a lot of reading. Um, if you see me looking down here, I'm, I, I, I really don't want to miss anything, so I will be doing a, a lot of reading. So a lot of people love Jesus, right? Raise your hand if you love Jesus in here. Everybody? Good. But they love him for what he's, what he's done for us. How many love salvation? I love salvation. I'm so grateful for salvation. Can I get an amen? amen. Don't you love salvation? Is a, don't you love that it's a free gift that we could receive? Don't you love that you didn't have to work for your salvation? You didn't have to live a perfect, sinless life for salvation? A lot of people love that. Well, I mean, I love that. That's a, that's a beautiful gift. I don't want to negate that at all. But a lot of people, they love Jesus and they love what he's done for us, but they have no fear of God in them. They have no fear of the power of God. They have no fear for his wrath. They have no fear and they don't really comprehend God's utter hatred, just loathing of sin. I mean, God despises sin on such a level. He wants to destroy it. He despises sin, one, because God is holy and anything evil is just abhorrent to him. But he hates sin because of what it does to his creation. Because when we have sin, what, what happens? It separates us from God, correct? So God created us to be in fellowship with him, in perfect fellowship in the garden. And with original sin, when Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He ate of that fruit. 
Separation happened then. We know that we're not living in a perfect world anymore. We know we live in a fallen world. Because of sin, we cannot live in perfect union with God right now. All of us have a great relationship with Jesus, but nobody in here is living in a perfect union face-to-face with Jesus. We all see Jesus even in our best moments in the church, it's, it's kind of through a veil. It's not face-to-face, physically, in person, like I can reach out and grab this right here. But praise God, it will be one day. Amen? They don't respect God enough to follow His commands. They do not fear the Lord enough to follow the conviction of the Holy Spirit and of the Word of God. For example, let's take a marriage. Let's take a, a new couple that just got married, and they're saying they're or they're in the act of getting married. They're saying their vows to one another. And the man says all it is. And I promise to forsake all others. And, you know, till death do us part. All of the vows. The man just completely gives himself to this woman. And then the woman gets up there. And it's her wedding day. And she's so excited. And she says, I promise to forsake all others except for once a week. And the man goes, he's, once a week? And she's, well, just once a week. I mean, just... I, I, I love you, but I'm still going to see other people. I mean, you can't expect me to be completely exclusive. See, that woman loves her new husband. She's like, I, I love you. You're my favorite of all of my boyfriends. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but when I got married, me and Lexi, it was to forsake all others, me and you to the end, nobody else, till death do us part. That's what Jesus wants with us. See, that woman kind of hedged her bets, so to speak. She, she didn't completely give herself to her husband. I love you, but I'm still going to see other people. And that's no marriage at all. It may be a marriage on paper, but marriage in itself includes exclusivity. She doesn't respect that man enough to be faithful to him. They're on, on paper, they're married. I, I can't say that enough. On paper, maybe technically they're married, but it's not a marriage when you look at it. They do all the things that married people do. They live together. They do life together. They love each other. He loves her more than she loves him. And she may love him more than all of her other boyfriends, but she's got no respect for him. See, the fear of the Lord doesn't mean to be scared. It doesn't mean to be like when you're scared of heights or you're scared of, you know, some kind of sickness or whatever. The fear of the Lord, excuse me, means to have a deep reverence respect and awe of God and for who he is, okay? The fear of the Lord means to have a deep reverence, respect, and awe of God for who he is. I'm going to be saying that a lot tonight because I just I want to differentiate. I don't want people thinking that it, that it means something different than, than what it actually means. Now, if you fear God, you aren't afraid of his presence, okay? You're afraid to be away from his presence, if you fear the Lord, it's terrible. It's an awful thought for you to imagine being away from his presence. Because truly, to be completely away from anything God created would mean to be in hell. God, I can't get into, it's a whole other message to do that. But to be completely in a place devoid of the presence of God would be hell, literally. And as a Christian, that ought to just drive you wild. See, Many people don't fear God because they haven't quite considered who he is. We love, we love the Lord. We, we come to church, and there's plenty of churches out there. Thank God this isn't one of them where it's, that you go there, and it's Jesus is my boyfriend, and I'll just, nah, 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 
I'll do whatever I want, but, you know, Jesus is just kind of in my back pocket, and he loves me, and by God, the grace covers it all. So that's not this kind of church, but that's, that is out there. And there's probably people in this church that believe that way. And they're CEO Christians, uh, Christmas and Easter only. And they, uh, they, you'll see one or two of them in a, in a week or so. Um, and they, they love the Lord. They truly do. You love Jesus? Yes, I love Jesus. But they have no reverence or respect or fear for God. Here, one reason I think is why, my opinion, I can't get in everybody's head, is that they really don't know who God is. God is infinite, okay? You can't, when I just say the word infinite, like, oh, okay, it never ends. Listen, you, if your mind doesn't break, then you're not thinking hard enough about God's just infinite everything, infinite glory, infinite holiness, infinite power, infinite knowledge. God is all-knowing. God literally knows everything that will happen, how it could have happened, how it didn't happen. God is so much bigger. I'm telling you, if you're not, you're not giving it enough thought if your mind doesn't just hit like reset mode whenever you're thinking about how vast God is. I mean, it should literally just break your mind because you're, you're not meant to understand an infinite God. Isaiah 46 and 10 says, speaking of God, it says, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient things, ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. So not only does it say he knows the end from the beginning, meaning he knows exactly how it's going to turn out. What's that last line say? I didn't give them any scriptures, so I'm very sorry. Um, this was all last minute, but the last line says, and I will do all my pleasure, meaning he knows how it's going to end, and it's going to go exactly how he wants. And when I say exactly, this church service is going to today, or the Christmas service we have next week, is going to go exactly how Jeremy and Bree wanted it, as in the order of service is going to go just how they planned on it, and then they're going to leave at a certain time, roundabouts. When an infinite God has something go exactly how he wants it to, it means you live, you were born the exact day he wanted you to be born. You die the exact day he wanted you to be born. The exact hairs on your head are how he wanted you to be. The Bible says, David says, talking to the Lord, he says, if I suppose that if I were to count the thoughts you have about me, just the good ones, that they would be more than the grains of sand on the beach or grains of sand on the world. And I did the math. I didn't put it in here, but it's obviously an unfathomable fathomable amount of sand. Okay. I did some, I did some looking today. Eight ounces, like a cup of sand in your hand. is like 36,000 grains of sand. A dump truck is like, if you were to count it, one piece of sand every 10 seconds, like if you had a thought, a good thought every 10 seconds, if I had a good thought about Lexi every 10 seconds, never slept, never did anything else, it would take me 500 years. So that's one dump truck of sand. How many dump trucks of sand are on the whole world? And he has those thoughts about every single person. That's the kind of God we serve. So realize who you're talking to. Realize who you're worshiping. Out of nothing, he created everything. That's... Six words. That is everything. To many people, God is love, and he is only love to them. Is God love? Yes. God is love. God loves you. 
He loves us beyond comprehension, but he is not just love, okay? We wear God as love bracelets, but God is not just love. God is also just, not to be confused with just love. God has justice. He is wholly just, completely just. He's perfect in grace, perfect in mercy. Guys, perfect. Do you even realize what that means to be perfect? I mean, it, it's beyond anything we could ever do if we tried our very best and then multiplied it by 100. Could never even get close. Perfect in grace, perfect in mercy, perfect in judgment, perfect in his wrath against his enemies. These people that they don't, they don't understand who God is, so they don't respect him. To this person, there's no consequence for sinning against their God. And there's no cost to being unfaithful to him because they don't realize even who they're being unfaithful to. If I were to go over there and punch my brother in the face, that would be a terrible thing. And I'd get in a lot of trouble. If I go punch the Queen of England in the face, how much more trouble am I going to get in? So if I sin against my brother, that's bad. If I sin against the Queen of England, that's terrible. If I sin against a holy, infinite God, do you realize the judgments that's automatically on your life for that? And then we do it ten times a day. That's a, that's a, short, a, a small number for 80 years. I mean, that, that right there kind of lets you know what Jesus took care of for you on the cross. So, that's somebody who has no fear of the Lord. Now, what does it look like when somebody does have a healthy fear of the Lord? Well, let me tell you. When someone has a healthy fear, remember that's reverence, awe, respect. When they have a healthy fear for an infinite God who is holy and powerful above all, Revelations 4 and 8, He's the creator of every good thing. That's James 1 and 17, saying that every good thing comes from the Father of heavenly lights. Revelations 4 and 8 says that there are four, get rid of, the four living creatures, each having six wings and were full of eyes around and within them. They do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. I'm not going to scream into this mic right now, but what do you think four angels in heaven, angelic beings, I mean, it'd just be ear-shattering. The most beautiful song you've ever heard, I promise you can't comprehend, can't, can't compare to four cherubim up there singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and yet to come. Holy, 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 over and over for all eternity. That is the God we have sinned against. James 1 and 17, that's, we don't have to go, we already explained that one. And who speaks... And with his breath, with his words, forms all of creation. That's Genesis, the Genesis 1 account. God spoke, said, let there be light, and there was light. Other gods, someone told me this, other little g-gods in mythology and, and all of that stuff, there's wars and there's this son and they fought that dad. When our God does it, he just says it and it's there. He just says it and it exists. And I thought that was very cool and very beautiful that even in the writing, even in their fake writing, our God is still better. So I, I chopped all that up, but somebody who realizes they have an infinite God who's holy and powerful above all, the creator of every good thing, who speaks and with his breath forms all the creation, perfect in wrath and in mercy, they obey him. That's what somebody does who fears the Lord. They obey him. Obedience, we, we, 
we don't say that word a lot, but that is probably maybe one of the most important things anybody could ever do. If, you're not, if you obey the Lord, you'll never go wrong. If you obey the word, you'll never, ever go wrong. Excuse me, I printed these, and they came out front and back. So i got to like line up here. That's why I always use a laptop. Technology. My dad's a paper guy. I'm definitely a laptop guy. Here we go. Sorry about that. First John 5 and 2. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and keep his commandments, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. What does it mean to be burdensome? You put, it's to have a weight on you. So my job cleaning pools is very burdensome. I hate it very much. Uh, so I, that, my other job where I'm with my guys over there at Station 10, it's a blessing. I'm so happy to go there. I love going to work every third day. We're out there training. We're working out. We're running calls, having a great time. And then I leave to my other job, and it's extremely burdensome, and I can't stand it. But uh, I am grateful for it. Even though it's very tough, I'm grateful for it. So that line says, his commandments are not burdensome. Remember, we're talking about people here that um, that, that do have a healthy fear of the Lord. Here's five qualities of somebody, excuse me, six qualities of somebody who has a healthy fear of the Lord, okay? If you're going to write anything down, write this down. This spoke to me so much. They obey him quickly. They obey him without question. They obey him regardless of whether or not they will benefit from it. They obey him no matter the cost. Willingly, sorry, it'll be recorded. I got a lot of notes to go through. They obey willingly, not begrudgingly. Let's go back, 1 John 5 and 2. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. They obey him willingly, not begrudgingly. Begrudgingly. It means nothing if I take my wife out on a date and I am angry about having to take her out the whole time. It's... it's all for naught. God does not want somebody to obey him that's doing it and they don't even want to. They're just doing it because they have to. They don't do it begrudgingly. They do it with a good attitude. Lastly, they obey God to the completion of the assigned task at hand. So to speak in metaphors here, everybody remembers when they were a child and your parents told you to do something. What was your response? You got... There's a few, depending on how you grew up, there's different ways. I promise you weren't good all the time. But did you carry it out? Did you carry out the request promptly without contention and with a good attitude? Maybe sometimes. Did you say no directly to their face, defying their authority? I'm not doing that. You might have done that only one time too. You got a spanking right after that before the words could even leave your mouth. And then you said, did you say you would do what they asked knowing you did not mean what you said. So you, you did it like they asked, and then you didn't do it at all. You told them you weren't going to do it. Or maybe you said, yeah, I'll, I'll, do, I'll go clean my room. And you're like, I'm not going to clean my room. I'm just, 
Whew, conviction's falling. Everybody just put their hand over here to my younger brother. Lord, help him. Conviction's falling in this place. Did you ignore them, pretending maybe not to hear what they said? Ross, get down here, and you're just kind of like, she don't know where I am. I'm going to pretend I didn't hear her. I've done that before. You see, a child that respects their parents respects the authority their parents have over their life, them being the child. A child who respects their parents, you know what they do. It's a, a child who respects their parents listens to the one-time rule. We had the one-time rule in my house, and in my parents' house, and I respected that one-time rule because I feared my father. <laughs> not in a bad way. I was, my, my dad did not beat me. But I had respect and I had reverence and I had honor for my father and my mother. And so when they said, Bryce, take care of that, I wasn't perfect. I didn't always do it. But I had respect and a godly fear, essentially, for my parents. To the point that when they, when I wouldn't follow through, because I wanted to please my parents, and and this is a lot of, this really is what a healthy relationship I believe is. The parents, the, the relationship that I had with my parents, is what a healthy relationship looks like with you and, and your father. That you want to do right. I wanted to please my parents. I wanted to listen to, them. even if I didn't want to do what they told me to do, I wanted to do it, not because I liked the task, but because I wanted to please my parents and I wanted to listen to them. So when I didn't do it, my dad wouldn't even have to spank me. He'd just say, Bryce, I'm just really disappointed that you didn't do that. Oh, cut to the heart. If you don't know about the disappointed, uh, son, I'm disappointed talk, that right there cuts, cuts deep. When you don't obey the word, when you don't obey your father in heaven, and then you feel that, I knew I shouldn't have done that. Thank God for grace. Thank God for, for his forgiveness and his comforting. But we know when we've messed up and it, it should sting. It should sting whenever you don't listen to the Lord. You really need to get worried when it doesn't hurt at all. Amen? Like I said, a child that respects their parents will listen to them. A child who doesn't respect their parents, who doesn't have any reverence, any, any godly fear, so to say, for their parents, no respect for them, no honor, will never listen to them. They may love their parents a lot. They may love their mom or dad, but when their mom or dad tells them to do something, they're like, well, I mean, I'm not going to do that. I mean, I love you, but I'm not going to go clean my room. It's almost that love isn't enough, at least our concept of love, okay? I, when it says love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, these are the greatest of the two. No commandment is greater than these two. Our concept of love in America is a lot different than what a godly concept of love is. So I don't want to discount that. I'm talking about American love or maybe just regular old church where we, where we don't uh, quite have the full understanding of what a godly love would be. Because if you love somebody, ultimately you'll, you obey them. Jesus said that if you love me, obey my commands. So I'm talking about the fear of the Lord that comes with having the, a proper love for the Lord. Just wanted to clear that up. So let's talk about some people, now that we know what the qualities are, let's talk about some people who had a fear of the Lord, who had a godly fear. Abraham, love this story. Genesis 22, in that we're not going to go through the whole thing, but in Genesis 22 is the story where God calls Abraham to 
go have a sacrifice on the mountain. And so we're going we're to go through some of that. God calls Abraham, and Abraham immediately answers. If you, it's about 15 verses, but it's, the Bible shows, and God called Abraham. Abraham. And then it, Abraham immediately answers. Next verse, God, yes, here I am. He immediately answered his father because he reverences him, because he fears him. He did not run and hide. He did not ignore him. He immediately answered, yes, Lord. It's almost like when your mom shouts around the corner at Bryce, and you go, yes, ma'am, because you respect your parents, or you should. God tells him to take his son Isaac to the top of Mount Moriah and offer him up as a burnt offering, and then it gets real. There was no, but in the text, there is no, and Abraham said, but God, why? There is, there is no verse in there where Abraham says, God, are you sure? There is no verse where Abraham questions the Lord. He had a real experience with God. I don't know how they talked. It doesn't say, it doesn't say if it was, you know, a burning bush like, like Moses, but he had a real experience. It wasn't his first experience, but he didn't ask God why. So he knew what, what the mission was. It was very clear to him to go take his son Isaac to the top of Mount Moriah and offer him up as a burnt offering. And he didn't even ask why. He had the fear of the Lord in him so much so that he would rather sacrifice his own son, his only son. The Bible says, Isaac, your son, your only son. It goes to the trouble of adding your only son. Every time he mentions Isaac's name, I'm pretty sure. Because it's just such a big thing. Like, sacrifice your son, your only son, to me. Abraham had the fear of the Lord in him so much so that he would rather sacrifice his son, his only son, than to disobey or to so much as even question the Lord God Almighty. Who are you to question the Lord? If Abraham can have that kind of reverence, we can have that kind of reverence. And God has never asked anybody in here to sacrifice their own child. He's asked a lot less of you. I would, I would go to say infinitely less of you. And how many times when God tells us and asks us to do something clearly, you feel something. And this isn't something that happens ten times a day. This can be something two or three times in a lifetime, maybe less, where, some, where God very clearly tells you to do something. And instead of just saying, yes, Lord, I'll get right on it because we have a healthy fear of the Lord and reverence for him, we're like, what? Did you say something? I didn't. And we ignore him. We maybe try to go back and forth. Abraham was asked to do a, an unimaginable thing, and he didn't even question God. The next verse says, Abraham arose early the next morning. The man didn't even sleep in. To have to go sacrifice his own son, he didn't even sleep in. Early the next morning for the journey. And on the third day, he built an altar and, and prepared to sacrifice his son Isaac. Let's flash back. Remember when I said that they obey God to the completion of their assigned task, whatever it may be? That was a three-day journey. It might, I imagine if, if I was there, when God was speaking to me, I would imagine it was audibly, probably, it doesn't say. But God is speaking to me in an undeniable way and tells me to go sacrifice as a burnt offering my one and only son. It would just be, yes, sir. Yes, holy God. That's all I could be able to say if I could talk at all. That's day one. 
day two, you've had a full 24 hours to think about this. And then day three, you've had, by this time, 48 to 72 hours of thinking about how you're going to have to kill your own son. Now, we've never had to, no one's ever going to have to do that. I don't want people getting caught up in, in what the task was necessarily. But he had three days to, train, to change his mind, and he didn't. He obeyed him to completion. Why? Because he feared him. You've got to fear God. When Abraham was asked by Isaac where the sacrifice was, he said to God, he said that God would provide a lamb for the sacrifice. Abraham built the altar and he had his knife in the air before the angel of the Lord stopped him. Stopped, called out and stopped him right there. I mean, he, he took it all the way to completion as much as anybody could. I, it doesn't say exactly, but you've, you've went all night he slept all night, he didn't sleep a wink, I'm sure, arose early the next morning, gathered up everything, had a couple of servants with him, had donkeys, put wood on it, put wood on the, on the, on the mules, and ran him up, up a mountain, had to climb a literal mountain in sandals with his son right there by him. His son asked him, where's the sacrifice? He doesn't even budge there. He says, the Lord will provide Jehovah Jireh. He does all that, gets to the top of the mountain. Just imagine being on a knee and you're t- you're, Isaac came me that stone right there. And you and your son are having to build an altar. Let it, let it be real for you. Let, let that be real. You don't got to try to dress up the Bible. Whew, that, could not imagine. Takes his knife in the air and God stops him. He feared the Lord so much that he'd rather lose his own son than disobey a holy, infinite God. Excuse me. Lord, help me. It was only after he'd done everything that the Lord stopped him. Then the Lord said from the angel, he sent an angel as a messenger. And that said, because he did not keep his only son from him, he would bring immeasurable blessings upon him and his descendants. That God would bring those blessings on top of Abraham and upon all of his descendants. Somebody else, great example. Jesus. Fully God and fully man, correct? So he had, he was completely God, but he was also completely man. So he got hungry. He was able to die. He was able to not know things. He was able to get tired. Holy man. The Bible said he was like us in every way except he did not sin. He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's Matthew 26 if you want to go read that. And he says, oh, my father. And it says before this, the preface, is, it says he was saddened or is in despair to the point of death. And he cried tears of blood. Hey, could you even imagine being that worked up emotionally? I mean, just your body, um, understanding the stress you're about to go under, it was enough to break a man. Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. See, he was fully God and fully man, so his fleshly nature, his human body... Although he was also fully God, 
did not want to go through that. He pleaded again, twice. Oh, my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. He didn't want to be, his flesh didn't want to be crucified, but he obeyed the Father as painful as he knew it was going to be. See, in Isaiah 11, it prophesies about the coming of Jesus and gives the name of seven spirits that will rest upon him. And don't think spirits like anything. It's, it's just this is basically the, the qualities that, that Jesus will have. It says, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Okay, I think that's verse 2. Yep. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge, and the, you can also say, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. How many know we need the spirit of the fear of the Lord in this place? Amen? We love the Lord, but we need that spirit of the fear of the Lord in this place. The Bible says that what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. And tonight, before we leave, we're going to pray, Lord, loose the spirit of the fear of the Lord all over this place for every single person. Not thine will, not my will, but thine be done. We got to have the fear of the Lord in us. Now, those are a couple of people that have some good examples. You know about the qualities. I like to go back and, and recap. We know what people do that have a fear of the Lord. They obey him. They listen to him. They do it to completion. We know people that carried that out, Abraham, Jesus. Now, this is my charge to you. Understand who you're serving. We've already talked about how God is infinite, but his greatness cannot be put into words. Our human language falls short so much it's embarrassing. So when you say, God, you're so good, by your earthly understanding of good, it borderlines on insult to a holy God. When you say, God, you're so good by, right, you're just so great by my small-minded, little understanding of what, what does great even mean to me? To be able to, I don't, I don't know, buy what you want or something like that? My understanding of great compared to an infinitely holy God, I'm, t I'm telling you, it's, it would almost be an insult to think God is only this great when he's, Right? I'm not saying that you're insulting God when you call him great. Please, please hear my heart. Matthew 28, 18 says, All power on heaven and on earth has been given to him. That's the God we serve. In Job 38, we know the story of Job. Job lost everything. And his wife told him to curse God, and he didn't. And his friends were going back and forth with him. But he, he questioned God at one point. Ask, and then God comes back, questions Job, chapter 38. And he asks him, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? And for two whole chapters, 71 verses, I won't make y'all read all of those. For 71 verses, a holy God schooled him on how awesome he was. Go read Job 38 and 39 and just imagine infinite God booming voice at you, letting you know what's up. And letting you know, <laughs> I, I couldn't imagine. I'm telling you, I could, I could probably jump off a piece of toilet paper and die. I'd be so small. 
Two whole chapters, 71 verses of just right at you. God made it so clear to Job that he was an almighty, all-powerful, holy God who deserves the utmost respect, honor, and reverence. That he was to be feared more than anything else and held in the highest esteem, with the highest regard. Daniel chapter 4, another prideful person, King Nebuchadnezzar was admiring the kingdom of Babylon. And I can imagine him stepping out on his nice terrace and he says, I can't, I'm getting the verses wrong exactly, but I have the paraphrase here. He walks out there and, he, and he's saying, wow, look at all this that was built. And this is a quote. Says, look what was built by his mighty, excuse me. Saying it was built by his mighty power. His, his words were, looking all was built by my mighty power in the honor of my majesty. Nebuchadnezzar said that. If you know what happens next, it's jaw-dropping. Yeah, it literally was jaw-dropping for Nebuchadnezzar. And he says, look at that was built by my mighty power in the honor of my majesty. And while the words are still in his mouth... While the words are still in his mouth, our holy, infinite God told the king that he would have his kingdom taken from him and that he would live amongst the beasts of the field eating grass until he knows that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and he gives it to whomever he chooses. And for seven times, the Bible says, we don't know if it was seven days or years, or we think it was seven months, Nebuchadnezzar, a king of a huge kingdom, lived amongst beasts and ate grass. Stole his mind from him. As the words were still in his mouth, he took his mind from him right there. He said, I'll let you know who's in charge. Me. And I give this kingdom of the world to whoever I want. And like I said earlier, he knows the end from the beginning, and it does it all to his pleasure. So remember who you're serving. Remember who our God is. Respect him. Our God is not to be taken lightly. Plenty of churches think Jesus is my boyfriend and they have no fear of God in them. His name is to be held in the utmost regard. If you're Jewish, if you're a modern Jew, most of them don't even say Yahweh. They, they'll say the holy name. They have so much reverence for him that they don't just throw around, they don't just say God and left and right. They're definitely not profaning his name. Everybody knows where I'm going. They're definitely not doing that left and right or at all. That's unspeakable. They would never even consider doing that. Proverbs 9 and 10 says, let's get this one on the board. Let's get 9 and 10 up there. This is probably the most important one of the, this wraps it all up. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The beginning of wisdom. Another way of phrasing that, if you know what's good for you, you'll do what God says. That's the beginning. If you have the fear of the Lord, that's the beginning of doing everything right. If you got wisdom, you know what to do right and when to do wrong. Well, never to do wrong, but you know the difference between right and wrong, right? So if you have the fear of the Lord, that's the beginning of it. You're good right there. If you know what's good for you, you'll listen to God and you'll have a healthy fear of him. I want you to make obedience to God your number one priority. New year starting out. 
I don't believe in New Year's resolutions as far as, you know, okay, it's a new year, so now I'm going to be different. But we talk about being continually better here. Make that you're continually better this year. And I'm not saying, that's not the pastor saying that. I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm not your pastor. I'm not even your teacher. I'm just a fellow brother in Christ. And you don't have to do this at all. But I'll tell you what I'm going to do this year. Obedience and fear of the Lord is probably going to be my number one thing this year. I'm going to work on everything else. I'm going to work on music ministry stuff. I'm going to work on this. I'm going to work on my job. But like for me, my personal goal this year, number one, fear the Lord. Obey him fully. Obey him when I don't understand it. Obey him when I, I don't see the end of it. Obey him when I don't think it's something for me. And completely listen to him. If you will obey him quickly, obey him without question, obey him regardless of whether or not you think you'll benefit from it. I got ahead of my notes. I can't believe I remembered that. Essentially, that's what I was saying. Just obey him no matter what. We're just recapturing our points from earlier. Excuse me. Guys, I'm pleading with you. Don't just love Jesus, at least by our American earthly way of knowing what love means. Have a godly love. A godly love is is all-encompassing. Part of that is having that fear of the Lord. I'm pleading with you guys, please have that in your heart. Love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, as the Word teaches. Romans 13, 13 through 14, chapter 13, verses 13 through 14, says, Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Make no provision for the flesh. Make no way to even go out and commit sin. Leave no door open to go out and do those things. If you're looking at things you shouldn't be doing, if you're drinking things you shouldn't be drinking, don't leave those things hanging around because you're going to open up the door to go do those things. Make no provision for it because when you fear God, you understand the consequences of sin. To the point that I'll make no, it's not even like, well, I'll make no provision. It's like, I won't make any provision for sin because I do not want to sin against a holy God. And, and that's somebody who says, when, when you ask somebody who's got a fear of the Lord, well, should we sin that grace may abound? Like in Romans, they go, no, do not do that. Because they've got a fear of the Lord say, yes, where there was sin that abounded, grace abounded even more. But they say, we do not sin against a holy God. Turn away from your sin. Let the respect you have for the Lord make you run from the, even the possibility of, of committing sin against Him. James 1, 13 through 15. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He Himself tempt anyone. God never tempts you, in case you didn't know. But each one is tempted. We're going to break this down. It's so good. Each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. There's three things there. Drawn away, his own desires, and enticed. Fifteen. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when it is full grown, the sin brings forth death. Let's go through that. Your desires is the first thing. Keep an eye on what you're desiring. 
keep an eye on when you go to work and maybe you, I'm, I'm just appreciating how good somebody looks. And there's a little seed of desire that gets planted by, it's not God's fault. Maybe the enemy tempted you, maybe whatever. But there's a little seed there to get started. Maybe it's some guys text you, say, hey, you guys want to go grab a drink later. And you know you've got a drinking problem. And there's just a little desire placed there, just a little seed. It grows. You got to keep an eye on what you're desiring because if you hang around long enough, that desire will draw you away from the Lord. It says it right there in 14. He's drawn away by what? Drawn away by his own desires. If you fear the Lord, if you if you fear of being away from the Lord less than your desire, let me rephrase that. If your fear of the Lord is less than how much you desire something, you're in trouble. Keep an eye on that desire, okay? Because we're all going to have struggles. But I'll tell you, it's a lot easier to squash a little desire than it is a big one. So you've already been drawn out by your desire. But watch out, because if you hang out a little bit longer, you'll find just what you were looking for. And that's, that's what you don't want. You'll find just what you were desiring. And that desire, it says in chapter in verse 15, will conceive. And I don't think the word conceive there is at a place at all. I think that word conceive, and I'm not talking about just sexual sin in the physical. I'm talking about, I'm going to skip ahead here, but when we go out and we're drawn out by our desires, what we see in the world, we're drawn out by them. And we step out of our house. You could call it, this is a married woman here or a married man. And they're stepping away from their house to go just see what's going on with their desires. And that desire conceives. And there's a thing, the, the Bible, when he talks to, or, excuse me, in the Bible, when God's talking to Israel, he often uses the imagery of adultery when worshiping false gods. I'm telling you, when you sin against God, you're committing adultery against Him. When we sin against the Lord, there's seven, I didn't even put this in here, but there's seven things the Lord hates, and, and the last one is, I believe it's, it's, a, it's like a slanderer. I, I'm going to get it wrong, but uh, sower of discord among men. And we don't think, we really pass that one down. And me too, I've done this. I do, I've done this at the fire station more times than I can count. Well, so-and-so, man, he's just didn't even put fuel in the truck today or didn't whatever. And they go, yeah, man, he's a whatever. The seven, it said seven thing God's hate, and the last one is a, one who sows discord amongst men. We should be treating that right there the same as we treat adultery, the same as we treat people who are homosexuals and unrepentant about it. Our sins are a big deal, Okay. You hang around, you'll find what you're looking for, and that sin is going to give, that desire will conceive and give birth to sin, and you're committing adultery against the Lord. You'll be just like that woman we talked about earlier. I vow to forsake all others except for once a week, or twice a week, or once a year. I will marry you, but I'm still going to see other people. I love you more than all my other boyfriends. I really do. But I've got to see other people. Surely you understand. 
I mean, I know you love me, and I know you're never going to leave me. I just, I just have to do this. Say it however you got to say it to understand it. But that's what it is. We dress it up. We try to make it pretty, but that's what it is. If you stay even longer, that sin we talked about that is conceived, excuse me, that desire that is conceived and, and birth forth sin, and then sin, it says after a while it leads to death, it grows up to lead to death. I will read it again. Then when desire has conceived it, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. You hang around even longer, that little sin that was born, that you conceived, committing adultery against the Lord, has been born. And it might be really cute right now. This When I, when I read this, I'm not even going to say what, what the Lord was telling me because it's too grotesque and too heinous, honestly, to say on a live stream. But you have your little, your little baby sin that was just conceived between you and XYZ vice that you have. Whether it's sexual, whether it's substance-based, whether whatever it is, you've committed adultery, you've stepped out of your house. Big sin, little sin, maybe you are sowing discord amongst other brethren. You've already committed adultery against the Lord. That's already bad enough. But now you got this little baby sin. And this isn't even in there. But it's almost that our love for our little baby sin here becomes greater than our love for who's at home for us. I don't want to say it on a live stream, but the solution is not to raise that little baby sin. It's not even your baby. Destroy that. You're falling in love with your baby sin that you have. If you don't destroy that thing, if you don't... I know I'm using the analogy of a child, but what did the Bible say? It says conceive, and it brought forth sin, and sin when full-grown leads to death. I don't want to try to make it any prettier. I'm trying my very hardest here to not say what I want to say about that baby sin. I mean, I, I could say, because if we did what the wrath of God wants us to do to that baby sin, it would make everybody in here just clutch their pearls. It's the, God's hate, Remember what I said about God's hatred of sin because of what it does to keep his creation away from him. The love that we have for this baby sin now that we have conceived with the world has completely separated us from him. And because of that, he loathes that thing. He despises it. He just rip it to pieces. That terrible thing that we have gotten ourselves into. Please see through the analogies with me. Obviously, I'm not condoning anything evil. We would never want to take anybody's life. That would be, that's not at all what we're saying here. The thing about that sin, it'll, it grows up, and it's a little, and then it's this tall, and then it's this tall, and then it's as tall as those speakers right there. And instead of us carrying it around on our finger, it's got us by the neck, and it's carrying us wherever we want to go, wherever it wants to go. You pull that little sin around, and you just hang around on it, and you're like, ah, yes, I'm married, and I love my husband who's at home, but I got this child that I'm taking care of. I got this, and then it's big, and it's... And then at one point, it just gets so big, you can't even take care of it anymore. And it's messing with you. Maybe you want to run back home now, but it's a lot harder to run back home. Maybe you've got 
responsibilities you've tied yourself up into now. You know, I'll close. It's not just enough to love the Lord by our own earthly standard. I've said this the third time I've said that tonight. A godly love, yes, in the complete way. Love is patient, love is kind, in that whole way, yes. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, yes. But an earthly, unrighteous, as in not completely understood love or not understanding of love won't be enough to keep you at home when your desires are trying to draw you away. I, I love my spouse. I really do. But I don't respect them. I don't reverence them. So it doesn't keep me at home. I love them more than my other boyfriends and girlfriends. But that love isn't enough to keep me at home. You got to get the spirit of the fear of the Lord in you as much, so much so, that the thought of being away from the presence of God is unbearable. He's coming back for a bride who is without spot or blemish. He's not coming back for a bride that is committing adultery and conceiving with the world. Do not be double-minded. You cannot serve two masters. Hear me. You cannot serve two masters. A close, faithful relationship with the Lord will give you more than you could ever hope for. And when you conceive with the Lord, so to speak, that fruit that that's going to bring forth is going to bless so many people. It's going to be perfect, not whatever the world could offer you. I want to close in prayer. Lord Jesus, we need you in this place, Lord. And I ask that the word that, that has gone out tonight, Lord, I ask that you would just let it sink into everybody's soul tonight, Lord. Lord, let everybody's, just let the coals under everybody get so hot that whatever they got to stop doing, Lord, make it so hard for them to hold it. They just got to say, I got to get it out. I've got to quit doing this thing. Whatever it is, Lord Jesus. And I loose the spirit of the fear of the Lord in this place. Lord Jesus, you say whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. And I loose the spirit of the fear of the Lord in this place. If you're slandering, stop. If you're gossiping, stop. If you're cheating on your spouse, stop. If you're cussing at work, stop. If you're drinking more than you should be, stop. If you're doing drugs, stop. If you're entertaining homosexuality, transgenderism, any of that stuff, stop understand there is a holy God that loves you, wants a relationship with you. Lord Jesus, help us to understand that you are at home, you are waiting on us, and all you want to do is have a relationship with us, Jesus. And help us to understand how mighty you are, to understand how holy you are, so that we would come running back to you, that we wouldn't even give the the entertainment to sin or provided the provision to do anything Lord Jesus and I ask that in our weakness that your strength will be made perfect to bring your obe our obedience to you Lord Jesus to completion in 2024 Lord help us to obey you to completion quickly without hesitation without question in Jesus name Lord and give everybody strength amen Thank you, everyone. I want to do this. I want us to thank you, Bryce. Thank you, Bryce. He's not even looking for an applause. Let's, let's let God work. I would like for everybody to give me 75 seconds. This is not um, a question of whether or not you think you have a healthy fear of the Lord.
question is, do you want the Lord to give you a healthy fear? Do you want the spirit of the fear of the Lord? That's the question. And if you want that, I want you to stand to your feet. And I just want you to say, Lord, give me the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And I ask God for this house. As one of the pastors, we are asking you to give us a healthy fear, respect, reverence, amazement, and awe of you. And I'm going to ask Lexi to just sing in 60 more seconds. As she sings for 60 seconds, I just want you to ask God for a healthy fear of God, and I want you to let him give it to you. And then you can slowly and quietly be able to leave the sanctuary. And if there's someone that needs prayer, if you're convicted, if you need to repent, the altars are open. We will pray with you. Come run into the Father. Run to the Father. Fall into grace. Okay, it's here for you. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry that I didn't go into that earlier. Because I, I don't want to beat you guys down. I hate doing that. Okay? 
the Father is waiting on you. Okay? It doesn't matter if you conceive with so much stuff out there in the world. Please come running back. And if you go right back out there, come running on back. Have the fear of the Lord in you, yes, to not even get provision to sin. But if you're out there, all hope is not lost. There is a light. There is a lighthouse waiting on you. Come right on back. The father comes running to you. The prodigal son. You know the story of the prodigal son. He went out and, and, and conceived with the world. And then what did he do? He, he came running. And the father saw him in the distance. He said, kill the fattened calf. Get the nicest robe. Get the nicest ring. Get the, get the best sandals from my son. And he went running after his son. He went running after him. The Father is running after you. If you'll come moving back, you may come in hobbling and just limping and saying, I've conceived with the world and I've sinned against you, God. He comes running for you. 2024, just come moving back. The Father is running for you with open arms. Make this the year that you give yourself fully to God. Amen. I love you guys very much. God bless you. My heart cries, my heart cries, the more of